Hey everybody, Communications Director Jay Sokol here. I know what you're thinking. I guess you're interviewing City Manager Kelly Templin again, right Jay? Well, no, I am not. However, today's guest is pretty close. He's number two on the organizational depth chart, but number one in your hearts, he's Deputy City Manager Chuck Gilman, who could not possibly have resisted being interviewed any more than he did. Seriously. But I've wanted to sit down with Chuck for a long time because I think it's pretty interesting how he came to the city of College Station, and it's even more interesting how fast he rose within this organization. So this interview really is me forcing him to talk about himself. And I'm glad I did because I learned some things, even after working with the guy since 2009. So here's the chat with Chuck Gilman. What got you here to the organization in the first place? What is your story prior to October 2009? Well, I... Left Texas A&M, class of 97, didn't actually leave till 98, uh, just one victory lap um, for an undergrad, and uh, went to work in Houston doing engineering consulting work. What was your degree in? Uh, Civil engineering. Okay. Um, Did some design work, uh, got my license, professional engineer's license, moved up doing more client management, project management, um, and after about 10 years, found myself with about... 18 to 24 direct reports over uh, four or five different offices, so traveling quite a bit. Uh, My supervisor was uh, based out of Phoenix, so I was either in Dallas, Austin, Fort Worth, or Phoenix once or twice a week. What kind of projects were you Um, working on? Mainly civil, uh, obviously civil engineering related projects, water and wastewater treatment plant, pump stations, uh, water resources, lots of studies. Um, doing some design work, doing studies, uh, you know, after several years in the business, you move out of, um, let me rephrase that, after several years in the business, some move out of doing detailed technical work and move more into project management or client management. Um, And so I'd really gravitated away from the day-to-day running calculations, writing specifications, and did more client management stuff. Which which of those do you find yourself preferring? I mean, you like the you like the calculations or you prefer to be out talking to people? Really, really gravitated more towards the management side, uh, focused on the project management side and then ultimately more towards the client side. Um, I just, I wasn't the guy that could sit in the cube and, and design a clarifier in nine minutes. That was just... <laughs> That's not you? Not my strong point. Okay. No, um, not at all. So um, really enjoyed working it, during the design phase. I would say my Uh, most enjoyable part is uh, in the beginning when you first walk into the room you meet the client and they say this is our problem or these are our issues and then taking that 10,000 foot level view of possible solutions we could do option a do option b do option c creating some ballpark cost estimates for each looking at o&m for each operation and maintenance cost for each and then moving forward through the design phase and actually running the calculations and meeting with vendors to specify equipment and writing specs, calculations, not my strong point. That's so, not you. No. But you had people who could do that. Yeah, absolutely. So so at what point did you get sort of drawn towards local government? Was that an accident or was that something you were looking to do? Uh, David Coleman. Everyone has David Coleman to blame. Oh, um, shoot. I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. All right. No, uh, David Coleman is our Dave, director of water and wastewater services. Yes. Okay. Uh, Dave was actually um, a client of mine. I was doing work for the city of College Station um, up in the water well field, had several pipelines going on, 
uh, some improvements to Sandy Point Pump Station. Uh, no, I'm sorry, some improvements to Dowling Road Pump Station. All right. Uh, have finished design, moving into construction, and I had become a main point of contact. And so when John Woody retired, Dave Coleman interviewed for and was given the position of director of water services, at which time he reached out to me and said, you know, hey, um, got this promotion in the new position, really excited about it, some great opportunities. You know anyone that might be interested in a position as an assistant director of water services? And I thought, I know of one guy, but I'm not going to tell anyone else about the job. So <laughs> I was really looking for and had reached a point in my personal life where I was on the road all the time. I mean, I was in and out of the airport. You would see the same people on the 6 a.m. flight out yeah. of Houston to Phoenix and the same flight back on Friday. So you came into the organization through water services? Through water services, right. Okay. As an, really as a way to um, find better work-life balance, um, get away from the hours and the stress and the workload that comes with consulting work. Okay, so how long did you spend with Water Services before you hopped over to Public Works? Oddly enough, um, I came up to meet with Dave, uh, and he and I, I remember this like it was yesterday, he and I went to lunch at the Cotton Patch, and he said, I want to introduce you to uh, my boss, Terry Childers, and uh, just give you guys a chance to meet one another, and you can kind of get to know him, and he can learn a little bit more about you. And I said, okay, cool. And so I, I go to lunch with Dave and Terry, and, and, and at that point, Terry says, hey, I've looked over your resume. Man, you're a great candidate for this new department that I'm about to start. I want you to apply for it. Dave knew, didn't know Terry had any interest in me for a different position or application or anything else. This is so, new info to you and to Dave. And to Dave, yeah. Dave was just as shocked at lunch as I was. And by the way, Terry Childers, was he an assistant city manager or a deputy city manager? I think manager? he was the deputy city manager okay. at that time. All right. Um, now uh, interim city manager in Amarillo All right. as of today. Um, so he says he's got a new thing. Got a new department, want to get started. Your application, and res- your resume looks great. You know, I want you to apply for it. And I told him, I said, look, I've really enjoyed working with Dave, Fred, Brian, Carl, great group of men and women over there, mainly worked with the guys in the department. I said, I- I'm really looking to-, to slow the pace down a little bit. This really fits my background. I want to learn a little bit more about the operation side. I've done the design side. I've done the construction side. I'd like to get some experience in the operation side. So as tactful as possible, I said, go forward with your search. And, and if you can't find anyone else, then let's talk. Well, there was your rookie mistake right there. I should have just said no thank you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so I think Terry and, and a consulting firm, um, a search firm, interviewed several different candidates for that position and I think it was I, I came on board October of 07 and it was January or so Terry came in and said "Nah, we've interviewed a few people you're our guy and this was for capital projects yes to start the capital projects department okay so um, then I talked to Dave about it and very supportive he's like you know you need to do it's best for you and for your family uh, you know, we would love to have you here, but if that's what you want to do and that's what you need to do, by all means, do it. Absolutely, we'll be behind you. You'll help make our life easier. A lot of the projects that I managed whenever we started that department were water and wastewater projects. Right. So uh, you were uh, in charge of capital projects uh, for how many years? About three years. Three years. Okay, so what were some of the major things that happened under your watch? Uh, positive or negative? <laughs> Either one. <laughs> Oh, goodness. A lot of them 
had started prior to my arrival. Um, Fire Station 3, Donald Harmon was a project manager on, and he they wrapped that project up, I'm going to guess, middle of 08. Okay. Somewhere in there, the summer of 08. It's probably right, 08 or 09. Um, a lot of the projects that we got started on came out of the 2008 bond election. That's whenever we really kicked it into high gear. Right. Um, so we had projects on there, the extension of Barron Road and Victoria. Right, I remember uh, that. Trying to beat the high school. Uh, some issues there with a BTU power line right. that was in a pre-existing easement, but in the way of the newly constructed roadway. But you guys made it happen. We did. Yeah. We beat, in fact, um, Clark Ely was the deputy superintendent, and he jokes now, um, but uh, he said, I, I appreciate you guys getting Barron Road in Victoria done, not only so that it was completed in time for the opening of the high school, but I want a steak dinner off you. <laughs> said, hey, uh, how do you figure? He says, well, Eddie Colson told me there is no way the city will have this road open before we open the high school. And Clark bet against him. He says, I've worked with Donald and Chuck before, and, and uh, I've seen some stuff we did. Eagle Avenue was another roadway we extended just ahead of the opening of an elementary school of Creekview. Right. And so we beat them on that school. And so Clark bet Eddie a steak dinner that we would be completed before the opening of the high school. Nice work. Yeah. Beat him by just about a month. Nicely done. So, Well, as I recall, and of course, I didn't work over there with you guys. I'm, I've been in the public communications office the whole time. But my sense is you were the guy who would get big uh, projects done uh, at, at a high level of quality on time and at budget. And you were very, you were known to be reliable in doing that over and over and over. So you were the guy who would get things done. Okay. So if, assuming I'm somewhere in the neighborhood of being right, uh, did that, do you think, did that contribute to you moving up within public works? Um, I, you know, it probably did. And, and just to clarify, I can't be trusted inside the financial system or to process an invoice or anything. So when you say I was the guy that got stuff done, actually the staff well, are I really the that. men and women that, that, that got the work done. But I was in charge of the department and we, we, we changed the culture a little bit and, and um, the way that we were going to begin to track projects and manage projects and hold ourselves accountable. So collectively as a department, we did. We delivered on a lot of big projects a lot of high-dollar projects uh, in a timely manner and change the way that we would engage with the public. We have a lot more meetings now. I think the public is a little better informed and aware of some of this work that's taking place in their neighborhood and why it is and what to expect and right. when to expect it. So um, kudos to the staff. I mean, the, the project manager is the one that delivered it day in and day out. I was at the head of the department. So did it contribute? It may or may not. Um, I would like to believe it did. I think for me, taking over public works was somewhat of a timing issue. We were um, 2011 or so. Um, thereabouts, we were in the midst of budget reductions. Everyone was looking for opportunities to uh, reduce programs, cut costs, cut staff. Right. And at that time, Mark Smith announced he would be retiring from the City of College Station moving to the Woodlands to take a job with the San Jacinto River Authority. So at that point in time, David Neely came to me and said, hey, I've been thinking about combining these two departments. I'm thinking about 
pulling capital projects and public works back into one department as it was at one point in time. In, in the end, it felt a lot like getting a second job for just about the same pay. <laughs> Congratulations. We, which is pretty much what happened. So um, I think around 2011, I took over public works also. Um, and, and Donald and I had done a lot of work on the capital project side. I think we were in a really good place in terms of, of performance of the staff. I mean, not that there were disciplinary issues, but we were cranking out a lot of projects and we were right. doing them efficiently. We had good tools, we had schedules in place, uh, we were meeting budgets, presentations were rolling into council, we were getting contracts approved, we were getting, we were getting infrastructure on the ground. So I thought, you know, this is not a bad thing. So, And you ran public works for how many years? About another three years. Three years. Okay, so, so all of this leads up to this question. At what point did you think, you know what, city manager's office, that's my next goal. That's where I want to be. When did that happen? Uh, really hard to tell, Jay. Um, you know, I kind of got to that point again. We, I'm not saying we had everything running effectively and efficiently and 100% in public works either, but um, we had made some changes. Some some folks had um, retired, and so we had some other positions in the organization where people were able to move up into those positions. Well, those new promotions and new positions and new people brought about some change and um, felt like we were really moving in a good place and this opportunity presented itself to again get away from more of the technical details and maybe try to manage at a higher level um, looking at things a little more holistically and I thought gosh you know that, that's a great opportunity that'd be kind of interesting to do um, probably could not be further away from the discipline of civil engineering than I am today. Well, and, <laughs> and that's what interests me so much is that you, you come out of A&M as a civil engineer. You do this work in Houston in the private sector. You get into the organization in an area that you weren't planning on getting into. You thought it was going to be through water services. ends up being something different. And, you know, after a few years, you're you, let's face it, you're one really solid scandal away from the corner office, right? I mean, when, <laughs> right, yeah. When people find Good out, or bad. Yeah, when people find out that uh, city manager Kelly Templin sits in his office all day and reads magazines about hunting dogs, uh, you know, he's out the door and you're in. I mean, you're you're that guy. So so cancel that subscription. <laughs> no, what you're saying. <laughs> no, let it run its course. Let it let that happen. But it's interesting to me that that you did start in this one place, but you've ended up maybe in a spot where. You wouldn't have predicted. Yeah, and, it, and it's very different. And I think whenever I was younger, um, first coming out of school in the late 90s, I was very focused on career, very driven, very ambitious, very focused on what is my next promotion, what's my next move. If I need to make VP by this year or this date and ownership in the firm. And, um, and I think as, as time went on and as life went on, that focus shifted maybe away from career and more towards kids and, yeah. and still very driven and ambitious in life. But those goals are more aligned with raising two quality little people rather than making vice president or whatever comes with that. So, um, and, and, you know, part of it was not worrying so much about what is my next move? Mm -hmm. Where, where's the next position that's going to open up? when might I get this title? Instead, it was to just put your head down and, and go to work and do your very best every day and try not to worry about 
what he said or she said or what's going on around you, but instead, this is my circle of responsibilities. I have to do this job and do it to the best of my ability. Well, and, and speaking of circle of jobs, um, <clears throat> I want to know, uh, well, I have a pretty good idea, but there are a lot of people who don't. So when somebody asks you, oh, you're a deputy city manager, Chuck, okay, what do you do? So tell me about your responsibilities as deputy city manager. Go to meetings and answer email. Yeah, you do a lot yeah. of that. You were doing that <laughs> before, though. Right, right. And, and you know, a, a lot of it, you keep talking about moving to a higher level, looking holistically at the organization. So a lot of what I do day in and day out, uh, I do in, am involved in conversations with the council. We do meet with the council on various issues, uh, questions that they might have about a future agenda item or a public meeting want some more information about a specific project. The single stream recycling is one that comes to mind. Recently we had some questions about how this may change, the service may change, how we're gonna roll this out, implementation, education, right. awareness. So um, that, that was kind of a big project and a big initiative. We, I have direct responsibility for five departments and those include water, electric, public works, parks, and planning. Okay, so there's. Uh, let's just stop right there. How did Templin uh, delegate the monster departments off of his desk and onto yours? Because those are big departments. Yes, to have time to read the magazine. Oh, Jay. that's right. Yeah. What was I thinking? No. Um, no, but they are. I mean, I, any one of those is huge. Very, very um, customer service oriented, very public facing, um, all external services. And, and I think Water and electric and public works uh, aligns very well with my background. Each of those department directors are licensed engineers. So we're all you socially speak the awkward. Same, right? Yeah, we're all socially <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're the four guys. You, well, Coleman's really an extrovert, but, um, you know, I think it just aligns well because we, we think many times along the same wavelength. I kind of understand many of their concerns as it relates to operations and maintenance. Um, the need for staffing, responsiveness, right. uh, keeping the lights on. It's not an eight-hour-a-day job. Picking up the trash, uh, it, it's great until you miss a day. No, no one misses the sanitation worker until he or she doesn't come into work that day. Uh -huh. um, so I think those three um, really make sense. And, and at the time I moved into this position, uh, Kelly and I talked about parks. They're, they're in the business of having fun. And... Uh, but also with that is the asset management component. Um, we have 56 or 57 parks in the city now. In the summertime, they all have to be mowed at least twice a month. There's playground equipment that has to be inspected and replaced, and trash cans that have to be painted, benches to be re replaced. Trees um, have to be trimmed, and then, brush yes. cleared, so, the whole thing. So I, I think parks and recreation kind of made sense. Planning, I think, was a bonus. Um, <laughs> I, really, yeah, I, I really enjoy working with Lance and his staff, and they, they have a very challenging job, too, um, to facilitate development, new development as it comes in, help to enforce the rules and regulations that the council has adopted to ensure that we see the type of growth uh, and the aesthetics that we desire within our community, but also to help facilitate some of these projects through. So. Very challenging job, have a very heavy workload, and have for the last two years to continue to do a great job down there. Are you able to walk out of here at the end of a day or a weekend and just turn things Early off? <laughs> yes, and turn things off. I mean, can you turn things off, or do you sort of obsess about stuff after hours and on weekends when you're driving around town and you see stuff? 
you're asking an engineer yeah. if we no no yeah. it, no it, it it never stops and and I know that that Donald gets probably tired of it and I told the, I told the guys if if I text or email you on the weekends I don't expect a response but you know, if we're driving down the road and and the grass is high at one of our parks I'll shoot Donald or David a text or an email and just say hey it's probably coming up on the schedule might want to take a look at this because if I see it our citizens see it the council probably sees it let's let's go ahead and try to get it knocked out before it does become an issue so uh, it is very hard to turn off I get texts from uh, Kelly and and Jeff Caps and Jeff Kirsten all weekend long just hey this is what's going on hey I got this call this email came in you guys right. need to be aware of this so um, but when you drive around town you're probably looking at the place differently than most people you're you're probably thinking uh, that sign right there. We got we got to take care of that that signal right there. That synchronization. Mm, I got to call somebody about that. that. I mean, you're looking at stuff that way, right? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It, and it never stops. Um, we we were fortunate enough to have a, a very talented staff in public works to help manage game day traffic. And this is uh, Troy Rother and Lee Robinson, uh, Garrett Martinick, uh, and all of Garrett's guys. Um, Curtis and the whole crew. I mean, they're, they're full-time, all hands on deck for home game weekends. But even as someone who may come up to the game or just come up and tailgate with a few friends, I'm the same way. I'm always looking traffic flow. Boy, you know, if we reverse the flow of the exit of that parking garage, you could shift this traffic load over here. Um, and you, you can't go, you can't go anywhere, uh, whether it's to a neighborhood meeting, to uh, HEB, yeah. to academy without someone flagging you down and saying uh, hey when are you guys going to come and fix or when are you going to address or i really need to get with you about fill in the blank um but but it is hard to turn off because um you know in a sense you're you're responsible for uh most everything that goes on in the city and and, and it doesn't stop okay a couple more questions so if you had access <clears throat> unlimited access to federal and state funds for transportation what would you fix? What would you do? In all honesty, we have, and, and the, the culture is, is, I'm not a Y or a millennial. I'm a Generation X. So um, we rode bikes to school because the bus wouldn't pick us up. We were that far out. Yeah. So, um, But, you know, many of the students that are attending A&M are very um, conscious of the environment, focused on sustainability. And I think if we had a dedicated bike paths not necessarily a bike lane right um, I cycle quite a bit uh, I'm not brave enough to hop on Texas Avenue or George Bush on a bike and so I, I don't wouldn't expect many of our students feel very comfortable trying to get off of Anderson or Dexter or cross that intersection so I think if we had a more comprehensive network of bike paths mm -hmm. that led up to university we could potentially decrease some of our traffic because many of the young men and women don't have a problem walking. Ne neither do any of the others, professors or faculty or staff or others. But I think if if we had greater accommodations for pedestrians and cyclists, I think they would be used. Yeah, I would like to see us do something at Bush and Welburn. I know Textile's working on a plan. Um, the university has expressed an interest to um, provide some support and are looking at operationally how you close that intersection completely or close it down to one or two lanes, what that does to access to the university. It's a challenge. Second deck on University Drive? That would be cool. An overhead, yeah. Okay. Um, 
uh, or the old tram like they had at Astro World. You know, you get in on Northgate and oh, it picks yeah. you up and carries you over the University Drive. And oh, can that'd be great. Drop, yeah, that'd be super innovative. There, um, we have a university of almost sixty thousand people that start class at exactly eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Everyone starts at eight o'clock. Is there a way to stagger some times operationally? You, could you go eight thirty? Could you go seven thirty? To where not everybody is on the road at, at the same exact time. same time. Right. Everyone starts work at eight. The grade school, elementary, high school starts somewhere between seven fifty and eight fifteen, eight thirty, and the university starts at eight. So right. it, it it's just something to look at. It's not the only solution, but uh, to think that you're going to build your way out of it is a fallacy. Yeah. Okay. Last question: What do your kids think you do? Go to meetings. That's it. That's it. Well, and then my son, for the long time, longest time, thought I was in charge of just the traffic signals as I was trying to explain <laughs> what we do. Okay, on a scale of one to ten, uh, how awful was doing this podcast for you? Eleven. No kidding. No I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks for sitting with me and talking. Absolutely. Thank you. Very funny, funny man, Chuck Gilman, rating his anxiety an eleven on a ten scale. Well, speaking of funny, let's take a minute to check the Twitter love we are receiving here at the City of College Station, because a a quick search of College Station and police always reveals some pretty fun stuff. So here we go. Here's the latest from Twitter about College Station and police. College Station friends, just a heads up, the motorcycle cops are out in full force today. That's respectful. Motorcycle cops of College Station are ruthless. Okay. Running a red light and not having 10 cops watching is a rarity here in College Station. Mm -hmm. Not even in College Station. For 15 minutes that I have to honk at someone trying to avoid those motorcycle cops. You see a pattern here? Uh, You always see motorcycle cops pulling people over in College Station. Mm -hmm. The number of cops in College Station is ridiculous. College Station has so many freaking cops, it's unreal. College Station cops are ruthless, literally camped out on Texas with a laser radar. Coming to College Station was the worst idea ever. So many freaking cops out, I cannot afford a ticket. And finally, College Station, Texas, home with the U-turns and motorcycle cops. There you go, from Twitter. Well, that was uplifting. Hey, a reminder that you can browse our podcast archives anytime you want at soundcloud.com slash college station. Lots and lots of good interviews there. Again, thanks to Deputy City Manager Chuck Gilman for spending time in the hot seat, and thank you for listening. I'm Jay Sokol.